Hello, you're listening to the C to Z of movies. My name's Colin. I'm the C. Joining me is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hey, Colin. This uh, this weekend must be like the happiest weekend of your entire life, right? I'm so happy, and it's because <laughs> football is back now. Don't uh, turn off. Don't turn off listeners who don't like football. We're not going to talk about it too much because mostly, mostly because Zijan doesn't like football. Yes. Um, I love I love the beautiful game, and I have had the laziest day of my life just sitting on my sofa watching football pretty much all day. Uh, and it's been incredible. The Mighty Wolves uh, beat West Ham 2-0 shortly before we started recording with uh, a phenomenal goal from Neto capping off a beautifully converted cross. Uh, Traore to Jimenez. So, so what are you doing now? They're just playing in an empty stadium, is that right? They're playing in an empty stadium. Um, they are putting in crowd noise to make it sound like there's a crowd there. Okay, yeah. Um, Does it work? Yeah, it feels a little bit odd. The people who are doing it, I think, are the same people who do uh, football games, um, like computer games. So they, 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 they're used to doing this. But it's quite obvious, like, if there's a, like a build-up of attack, if there's a good shot or something, you, you have uh, cheering, you have build-up noise. But the kind of the, the more subtle things of, I don't know, when someone's mishit a shot, you'll get the kind of, ooh, and then you get some jeers and stuff, all the things. It, it doesn't quite feel right, but it's it's better. I've, just, I've watched some of it with no sound effects at all, and that's just really weird. Mm. So, Anyway, that put an end to the football uh, talk, but it's also been a big weekend for you, Zijam, because uh, you've been to a bookshop. Yes, I went to a bookshop for my first time in three months, which is uh, a very wonderful feeling. Um, yeah, this lockdown, I've been reading a lot of books. I, well, I've, I've been trying to read at least one book a month anyway, in general. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not the fastest reader, so they, they do take some time, and I do need to get into a certain mood to be able to read sometimes but <laughs> but now when I have lots of time I'm going through books like crazy so yeah went to a bookstore first time uh, bought some books it's it's great and, uh, and you just told me off like so um, listeners may remember that uh, we recently did an episode on film adaptations we'd like to see I suggested uh, Donna Tart's The Secret History uh, you've now read that Zijan since yes it's a wonderful book uh, I think it should be made into a film <laughs> uh, there you go Donna that's two of us um, get, it, get it done already come on <laughs> come on um, today's podcast, we are ranking the top 10 films beginning with the letter E. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Um, we, we want some content, guys. Um, we want some films to be released, but this is this is the best we can do for now. Actually, this is... Um, well, we'll talk about it when we get there, but this is a, a more more good films on offer than I had thought there might be. Hmm. Uh, we're also doing a quiz on all those postponed films. Uh, we're looking back at uh, No Country for Old Men and much, much more, Zijan. Much more. Well, but, yeah. Uh, as ever, we start with the movie news. Yes. Hit, hit me with some movie news. I think, yeah, the, the best news that came this week for me was in an email by Cineworld saying that they are reopening cinemas on the 10th of July. Oh, right. I, you're on Cineworld's mailing list. I am on Cineworld's mailing list, yes. Do, do they let us know because of, because of our podcast? Is of that course why? they do. <laughs> or, or the fact that I have like a monthly pass with them. It could, it's one of those two things. It's too early to say which. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think if that's going to happen, and I hope that's going to happen, that's that's great news. It's, I, I would love so, to go to the cinema again. Yeah. So you'll be. Th- so um, do they say whether they require a mask? Uh, no, they didn't really specify anything at the moment. They just say that. Oh, uh, great news! We are thinking of opening on the tenth okay. of July. Um, so you can make uh, advanced bookings right now. Are there any films out on the 10th of July? I think like uh, Mulan will still be coming out then around that time. Uh, Tenet, okay. the Christopher Nolan so, film. So Tenet's been pushed back, hasn't it? Has sure it? This is a, I think it's only a couple of weeks. I think it's the end of July now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's around the time. I was reading somewhere as well that they have like a, a back catalogue of 
films that they can screen as well. Yeah, I, I think they're more likely to do that, aren't they? Particularly because no one's going to want to release a film on the 10th of July. Because even if even if you rush to the cinema, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to give it a few weeks, I would have thought. Exactly. So, but yeah, I will but, watch Mulan on the 10th of July. Okay. That's what's going to take. <laughs> but it could be, I don't know, we're just going to screen Back to the Future or we're going to screen Citizen Kane or, or whatever. Um, so we kind of test the water. There was, there was a bit of controversy in America where the uh, AMC, which is a, a cinema chain we don't have over here, um, they put a thing out saying, we're not going to make you wear masks because we don't want to step into a political argument or something. And then everyone's huh. like, this, is, this isn't a political argument. This is, you know, should we die or not? So they've uh, retracted that. And apparently you do have to wear a mask there. But um, I have a concern. You, you like me as you wear glasses. Yes. Maybe I'm wearing my mask wrong, but it, it steams up my glasses pretty much every time I breathe. Yep, you are absolutely correct. It's awful. It's pretty... How am I gonna? Yeah, how am I gonna watch a film? Um, I think uh, from AMC's point of view, the more cynical of us would probably think that if people wear masks, they cannot buy large buckets of popcorn, which well, is where is the margins are. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I only some sort of um, breathing apparatus so that I can... Uh, <laughs> like Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, or contacts. I mean, that would work. Why not? I'm, I can't do contacts. <laughs> I hate wearing contacts. I've tried it once and it's just... Have you? I've yeah. never tried it. it sounds horrific. Um, well, that's that's good. Uh, I think certainly I'll be watching Tenet. Uh, I'm not sure I'll go in before that. Um, it's it's going to take something special to get me into the cinema for the next few months, I think. Mm. But Tenet is definitely something special. Um, I'll tell you what's not going to get me into the cinema uh, a new standalone Superman film because Warner Brothers have said that it wouldn't work uh, I don't know if they must have said this relatively officially but they're like the, Why? The, Hen- Henry Cavill's in talks but there's no talk they just don't think it would have crowd appeal apparently um, which is mad because he's Superman he's the best known superhero he's arguably the best known fictional character of the 20th century if you can't make that I mean they they obviously haven't been able to make it work brilliantly but that's mad, isn't that, that mad? That, that's what, what an insane thought, though. Like, but yeah, just because the past two films did not work well, yeah, does not mean that you should just scrap the idea of a standalone Superman film from now on. It'd be interesting to see if whether the the um, the Snyder cut gets people back into it. It's well, maybe a bit niche. Um. The, the the thing is as well, it's not like D- DC is also scrapping the barrel when it comes to picking up superhero films to do. Mm. Yeah, you know they're doing like supervillain films, you know, with Black Adam coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's it's a bit weird that the 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 biggest person in DC Comics is not being yeah. given second thought on some other film. Hmm. Um, Kristen Stewart is set to play Princess Diana. She is in a new movie. Um, with a new film entitled Spencer uh, it's going to look at the weekend that she decides to leave Prince Charles um, uh, okay. there, yeah, yeah. there was a, a Diana film previously with uh, Naomi Watts that everyone hated yeah they? everyone hated it I didn't watch it have you seen it? I've not seen it no, no but it was very <laughs> it was panned by critics so that was back mm. in 2013 so I've not seen Christmas was that seven, was that seven years ago? yeah wow. it was a while back yeah I know well, Naomi Watts is, is she Australian? is that right? yes she is and obviously, Kristen Stewart, I believe, is American. It's one of those can't find a British person to play uh, to play Diana. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I'm not sure about Kristen Stewart's uh, accent skills. I've not seen. Um... No, I don't. I have no idea. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've seen her do anything other than American. I can't think of anything. No, and her her most recent film was Charlie's Angels, and that wasn't that well Ooh. received either. No, no one saw that, did they? No, um, I don't think so. But she was still good in. Um, Oh, what's that film again? Still Alice. Still Alice, yes. Yes. 
Yeah, she was very good in that. Uh, yeah, I, I, okay. I, it's a it's a difficult s- subject matter. People get very uh, emotional about Princess Diana still. Of course. But um, interesting to see what they do with that. Does she look like Princess Diana? Well, I, I can. She could. She could do. I reckon she could conceivably could look like her. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I can see her. She has the the upturned nose. I think. Hmm. Yes, and the eyes probably would work. And get the hair right, and you're probably fine. Okay. Spencer, of course, being uh, her maiden name for yes. those who aren't familiar with uh, British royal family history. Edgar Wright has got a new film project uh, on the cards. He's he going does. to be di- directing a film called The Chain, um, which is about the Fleetwood Mac song. No, it's not. It's about a uh, it's a kidnapping thriller uh, to be written by Jane Goldman, um, who was the woman behind things like Stardust and uh, X Men First Class. I think she was involved in as well. Yeah, the film is going to be written by uh, her, not the book. <laughs> yes, yes, the book has already been written, I believe. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, by someone else. Who cares? Who cares who they are? Adrian uh, McKinty. Yeah, I know this, Colin, because guess what? I bought in the bookshop today. Uh, there you go. This ties. You thought our long rambling intro was just us chatting, <laughs> but it all ties together. My next piece of news is the film of Wolves beating West Ham two 0 Which uh, yeah, no, which that's not going to happen. Coming to the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this actually sounds so. Um, I don't know if you know about the plotline, but this sounds a very interesting concept uh, where someone's child is kidnapped and it's basically like a chain letter of kidnapping her, her child will only be released if she kidnaps a child and then the parents of that child kidnap another child and the idea is there's this chain of kidnappings so um that seems a, an interesting if slightly horrific concept uh egg Wright is, is obviously a fantastic director so um this doesn't sound like a comedy i'm nope. very surprised if it is so he's he's obviously moved away from comedies with baby driver and um last night in soho coming up um this year mm. So he's moving yet further away. So it'd be interesting to see what he does with this. It's oh, a very, uh, very popular book, apparently. Last, uh, is it? That's, that's why I got uh-huh. it. Yeah, I, I didn't. I've not heard of it till, till uh, this new this bit of news came out. That's the reason why I got the book. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I tend to like read books before the film comes out just to get a hold on it. Uh, yeah. Just, just so you know, I've read a hundred pages already on the book. <laughs> in an oh, hour, it's uh, wow. quite an easy read. Um, I have to say, so hundred pages now. That's not. That's not. That's, you said you were a fast reader. That's fast reading. Usually. Yeah, but it's. Did I mention on the podcast how I read Lord of the Rings in a day? Did that come up? No one heard that, Colin. No one caught that come up. <laughs> but it's an easy read. It's re- really easy read. Um, so okay. I wouldn't go too much into detail on that. But yeah, it's okay so far. Okay so far, says Dijon. Uh, yeah. That's my book review. I should go on to Simon's <laughs> podcast right now. <laughs> can, can I go on to Simon's podcast? Yeah, Wait, Simon, if you're, Simon, you're listening. My, my brother has a, has a podcast called Tea or Books. Um, they tend not to cover recent books very often he's a fan of books in the 30s and his co-host is a fan of victorian literature i believe that's why you need someone who can speak about books there you go that came out good last so year. far it would be um it's okay so far okay 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 so far so i don't want to overstate <laughs> well no that sounds like a great podcast so uh, I, to to <laughs> the thing is i've just been re- uh, reading a lot of good books recently so if something okay. just is like yeah it's okay you see, you can't do that in movies unless you like you bring, a mic- <laughs> no. bring, bring a microphone into the cinema. It's like, it's okay, so far. Shut up. <laughs> I'm to watch a film. Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of uh, another book series that's going to become a film, there is going to be an Animorphs movie coming. Animorphs? Animorphs. Have you heard of Animorphs? That's not the. No, that's not the Ricky Gervais' Flanimals, isn't it? What's, what's Animorphs? So, Animorphs is about a group of human teens defending Earth from alien slugs. 
attempting to take over the population, they do this by having the ability to morph into any animals they touch. So any morph. Yeah, no, I, I got it. I yep. got it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not heard of a book series before? Um, it rings a bell, but that does none of your description rings a bell. So only the names. I, I, I grew up reading some of the books, like so. I read Any Byton and Rodal growing up, and um, part of me, uh, part of it was also reading the Animorph series. So there are like fifty books in total, fifty, sixty books in total, and it's um, it starts so these, off. These these slugs don't give up, then, is what you're saying? No, yeah, they basically bury into humans' heads and control their bodies. They're, they're like mind controllers. But the thing is, um. This book, even uh, the book series, even though the concept sounds very like, you know, light and fairy and teenagey, but it goes very deep, dark and serious halfway through the the series. You know, it talks about war because they're fighting an actual war and the effects of war on teenagers, and it gets very grim. So it's like, you know, all quiet on the Western Front. Um, I know of it. Yeah. Yeah, it gets quite dark. It gets pretty grim at the end of the series. You know, you know, they have to talk about their conscience and how they're f- willing to kill. It's there quite. Are f- there are fifty-four books of this thing. Yeah, it's, it's, there's quite a lot of them. Wow. Yeah, but I, I really enjoy the books uh, when I read them. I do not know how they can turn fifty-four books into one film. <laughs> Seems ambitious, doesn't it? Um. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so uh, I'm not holding my breath on this. I would rather see this in as a TV series. But obviously, they won't have the budget, so turning into animals is going to be quite so, a lot. Of... Yeah, obviously, looking up, apparently, there was a TV series. Yeah, on Nickelodeon. And uh, the guy who played Iceman um, in the X-Men, I can't remember his name, Bobby Drake. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sean, he, Sean Ashmore. Sean, yeah. He was in uh, that Nickelodeon TV series. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. I will not be watching it or reading it. Um <laughs> Those book covers look rubbish, by the way. They look like someone just found out. Some, it looks like it made on Microsoft Publisher. Ah, oh, they were so good, Colin. <laughs> yeah, well, fair play to them. Um, the only other news I have is that Miles Teller uh, will be uh, signed up for a film called Not Without Hope, um, which is going to be one of those films where you go off on a boat and then there's a huge storm and they've got to fend for themselves. Which I find interesting only because, well, I like Miles Teller, but also because he was signed on for Adrift, which uh, is a film I enjoyed a lot, uh, where he had to drop out and was replaced by, uh, I'm blanking on the name, Handsome Chap. Um, you know you know that actor who's handsome? That, no. that guy. No. <laughs> the handsome actor, Sam Claflin. Ah, Sam Claflin, yeah. The handsome yeah. chap. Yeah. Handsome chap. Very yeah. handsome. Looks good in the beard. <laughs> anyway, Mars Teller had to drop out of that, but clearly he wants to he wants to do the whole shipwreck thing, so he's uh, uh, signed off for this one. How many shipwrecks can we watch? Well my my brother had a bit of a run to this about this the other day, the same one he's gonna have you on his podcast. Um he said oh, I can't watch any more of these shipwreck films. And then it turned out that he'd seen like one maybe. <laughs> <laughs> have I seen many shipwreck films? I've still not seen Castaway, so <laughs> See Shan, watch Castaway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you reckon Titanic counts as a shipwreck film? <laughs> yeah, it is. It literally is a shipwreck, right? It is, isn't it? But it feels like it, it feels like it doesn't have the same hallmarks of the genre. It's not like <laughs> surviving against the elements much. It's just dying in the sea. Oh, uh, well. Um, it's mostly about polishing forks and being having some sort of clash of classes, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, my, my last bit of news is the Oscars has um, been delayed officially uh, to no mm. surprises. Um, it's now going to be in April. It used to be in February. I think the BAFTAs is following suit as well. I think it's only two weeks before the Oscars. So yeah, okay. everything's going to be moved. There. And they and 
films are eligible up to the end of March, is that not they? Or? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I need to read that. Oh. I assume so. Because yeah, I think previously we talked about something. Oh well, cinemas will be back by December. But, but what I hadn't thought of, obviously, is that you actually make the damn things. So, um, so there's a lot of shooting schedules being postponed as well as release dates. Um, but maybe we'll cover it in our quiz later. Yes. Get all the sizzle for that. Uh, let's move on then to see or not to Z, the segment where we talk about films that we've seen recently and tell you, the listener, whether you should see them or not Z them. Uh, Zijan. Hello. Uh, as well as all those books you've been zooming through, yes. have you been watching films? So, Colin, I, I know you always want me to watch Castaway. Yes. I've not watched Castaway yet, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do watch some of the films that you recommended. Okay. And this film is uh, particularly good because uh, it fits the next category, the main category I we're doing. I think I can well. guess what it is. Yeah. What is it? Uh, I believe it's The Age of 17. Yes, I watched The Age of 17 on Netflix. Oh, I'm on tenterhooks. You know, you know how it is when you recommend something that you that you love, and you think, "How's it going to go down with someone yeah. else? Are you going to tra- tra- trash this <laughs> thing?" That I, uh, no, I'm not going to trash your film. It's really good. Awesome. It's it's, oh, it's good. actually really really good. I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed the film. Um, wow, that's that's a little insulting considering how much I. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh well, I shouldn't be. I should say that though. we do have quite we do have quite similar taste in films. We do, we do a lot of time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we hardly do, well we do disagree sometimes, but um, yeah, we we do have quite quite similar taste. But Age of Seventeen is is brilliant, really. Like it's a coming of age film, right? This is one of the best up there um, mm. I've seen mm. so far, and and in recent terms as well. Um, like, yeah, I think. The most recent coming of age film I saw was Lady Bird. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Age of Seventeen kind of ages it as well. I think I think probably right. Yeah. So um, for those who haven't seen it, Haley Steinfeld uh, plays the lead. It's got uh, Woody Harrelson uh, in support. I so I, it's one of the things that I saw, saw her doing some of the the publicity for it, and she'd always have to describe it and then say, it, "But it's better than it sounds." Because uh, I, I guess if you, it's a girl who's obviously about seventeen. She's in high school and and she's um basically text some boy that she she likes him and then doesn't mean to send this message but then she does and it's yeah. not very embarrassing which sounds kind of like the, the worst teen exactly comedy thing, thing ever but it's um doesn't really do it justice no it's it's wonderful it really is wonderful and i think yeah it, it earns its moments as well especially mm. at the end so mm. i think mm. everyone should watch this film honestly there you go and it's on netflix so you've got no excuse unless you don't have netflix uh-huh. um i've got on dvd so if you haven't got netflix and you know me i'll lend it to you <laughs> There you go. But you can't come in my house. We'll meet on the not course. yet, anyway. Not yet. Not yet. That can be your bubble, Colin. Uh, I've already got a bubble, I'm afraid, Zijan, um, <sighs> with my brother. There's only uh, one other person you can extend your bubble now. Can oh, you? Probably not. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Let's move on, Colin. What film have you watched recently? Um, I, I have watched Artemis Fowl, um, Zijan, uh, which is uh adaptation of the... I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Oren Kulfer. Oren, Oren Kulfer. Apologies to our Irish listeners. Um, it's a much-loved series of books. Uh, they adapted uh, the first two, I believe. Um, it was a victim of coronavirus, and they, they shunted it out on Disney+. And um, the, the world was split into those who hated it and those who did not watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I must confess, I, I, didn't, I didn't actually hate it. I just thought it was... I thought it was bad, but I didn't... I, I didn't care enough about the source material to, to be that bothered that it was bad, I guess, because um, they are most of a series of books. I have read the first one um, very recently, actually. Um, I've not read the second one. Uh, the, the film bears almost no relation to the first book. Okay. Um, it has So 
spoilers for the book and film, I guess, but um, Colin Farrell plays uh, Artemis Fowl Sr., Artemis Fowl's father, obviously. Um, and he's kind of he's missing throughout the first book. Uh, the whole point of this film is to find him, which I guess must happen in the second book, but it doesn't happen at all in the, in the first book. Um, but yes, fans are very angry because uh, I think, as you as you said in the news section some some weeks ago or months ago, um, the character of Artemis Fowl is, is in the first book is a kind of super villain, and and he has this arc of redemption yep. throughout the books. Yep. Whereas in this film, he just he's misunderstood. Nothing like that. Well, he's, yeah, there's no hints that he does anything wrong. Even he, he's, he's supposed to be a genius, but he's just a kid who wants to save his dad. Uh, except the last line in the film, I think it's the last line, he says, I'm a super criminal. Or something. And he's like, well, no, you're not. <laughs> you can't just say that. <laughs> a, a criminal mastermind, I think that's crazy. Um, it, it just feels very, very flat. It's, it's got a lot. Of, so they go into this magical world, fairyland uh, under the earth. And I just you just feel nothing really. It's, 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 it feels like it's trying to do the same tricks Harry Potter did, what twenty years ago or something. Um, to, and it just doesn't uh, elucidate the same response. Uh, if you say very flat, the performances aren't great. Direction is very uh, dull. Julia Dench is in it, um, doing a pretty good Irish accent, but playing a character who's male in the books. Uh, they made a feel on because hey, if you get Julia Dench, why not? But and she's fine. I quite liked um, the, the last who's playing Holly Short, who's a who's an elf, is she an elf, mm-hmm. fairy, something anyway. Um, but no, this film is being very badly received. Will never get a sequel, despite it's clearly set up for it. Uh, and don't bother watching it. Oh, good, good to know. Where do you watch yeah. it on, anyway? Is it Disney Plus? It's Disney Plus. I say, yeah, it was supposed to be cinematic released, and uh, to be honest, I don't think they were too bothered by being able to just drop it there. Yeah, I'm so glad I don't have Disney Plus right now. It's. Yes, another reason not to bother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh... Right then, we move on to the main segment of the day, which is the top ten films, beginning with the letter E. For those people who have been here before for very similar segments with... What letters have we done now so far? We've done... We've a, jumped B, around C, a bit. D, uh, S. S. Yeah, I've done them a few times when you've not been on the podcast because that was my go-to for guest hosts, was just pick the first letter of their name and do that. Yep. Anyway, we've got to E. We've still got plenty more letters to go. You say that, right, Colin? We don't know how long this lockdown will last. We don't. I reckon, we, well, we've probably got, how much of the offer we've got? We've got another 18 or 19 letters probably from, that we haven't covered yet. Yeah, because Z is going to be very popular, right? We, we've talked about this, Dijon. <laughs> we're, we're not doing Z. Not doing Z. Uh, we do what we always do um, in the season line. We'll go through our top tens from tenth to top place, uh, and we will award one to ten points accordingly. And I've put out the the the, the plea on Facebook. Uh, I've had quite a few people giving their favourites as well or their recommendations. Uh, we'll give a point each for each one of those, and then we'll find the definitive top ten. Uh, Zijan, why don't you kick us off with your tenth place film? Okay, I've got to say this again, Colin. Like in a lot of this list, right? Um, I do have a definitive top six. Or five, okay. maybe, and then everything yes. else is like, yeah, okay, they're, they're okay, <laughs> they're not, they're, they're not awful. So I put them there. That's my okay. my last okay. four. I'm not too sure about why why you have this time round, but I didn't find that with these. I thought I thought I would, and I I have done with some of the letters, but no, I, I um, there are a few that were fighting to get on this list actually. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Well, you're you're doing better than me on this, but my number ten is uh, Eddie the Eagle. Ah uh, yes, yeah, uh, Taron Egerton, uh, and. Hugh Jackman, who plays his coach. Uh, Terry Agerton plays uh, the titular 
character, Eddie the Eagle. For those who don't know, he's the British skier who got himself into the Olympics. Um, and was not very good. Not really good at all. But he managed to get there by, I don't know, like, was it some technicality that he did? Uh, no, I just think he... I don't think it was technicality. Was it? He, he had to achieve a particular particular amount of distance and he achieved it. I mean, he would, I would say he's not very good. By, by international ski jumping standards, he wasn't very good. By by regular people standards, he was <laughs> super. It wasn't like he yeah. was falling over when he got into the slope or anything. But. Well, he's, he's very popular in uh, British sports history because everyone loves an underdog, right? Yeah, and he's kind of the classic uh, British plucky loser yes. type, type character, which the film... I enjoyed the film, but the film kind of tried to make him into this... Um, Almost a kind of folk hero uh, man who sort of, who wins against the odds, and he really wasn't seen that way. I don't think. So, oh. um, but it, it's basically so. I, I quite like this one, but it's cool running, isn't it? It's literally yeah, cool running. Exactly, exactly. Like, um, and this well, this was Taron Egerton's uh, first uh, outing after Kingsman, I believe. Oh yeah, probably was. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, he got his breakthrough from Kingsman, and then this was his next time role, which you know proves that he can do some dramatic chops. He has some dramatic chops as well. Well, it's more drama, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, drama. So. Yeah, but yeah, it is beat for beat, exactly the same as Cool Runnings. Down even down to subplots. Um, but yeah. it's it's not bad. It's not, it's bad. not bad. It's not bad. So that's my number ten. Uh, tenth place for me is Erin Brockovich, um, the film that won Julia Roberts her Oscar. Uh, again, is Evelyn so as well? I think. Uh, yeah, she was she was very very good in this. Uh, in this is a, a kind of small town lawyer fighting against this company that was poisoning water. Well, or yeah, poisoning water. Um, Albert Finney, I think, was also Oscar nominated possibly for it as oh. a supporting role, uh, and it has Aaron Eckhart as well. Uh, it's. I mean, you've probably seen this if you're listening to this, but uh, it's it's well worth a watch. I've not seen it for quite a long time actually, so I have no idea how much it holds up. I've seen I, some scenes recently, some clips of it on uh, on YouTube. You know, just trying to refresh my memory on some Erin Brockovich, and um, I, I've seen it. Um, I, I obviously I was too young to appreciate it when I saw that uh, okay. back back then. So I I I, I I I couldn't put it on my list because I couldn't yeah, give it a very honest review. To be fair. Um, but I, I, I do recall that, you know, Julia Roberts has been, you know, gathering for an Oscar for a while now. And then once she won it for Erin Brockovich, she just went off <laughs> that <laughs> for a bit. <laughs> Which was, um, yeah, I think, I quite guess. common when people just win an Oscar. And then, yep, um, I'm, <laughs> I'll take a break now. There was a, a Mark Ruffalo film called Dark Waters from... Uh last year or earlier this year in this country I think which I've not managed to see but I, I believe it's more or less exactly the same plot line um, ah yes I saw the trailer for that yeah hmm. um, my number nine is um, Edward Scissorhands uh huh yeah uh, this is Tim Burton and Johnny Depp back when their collaboration was um, actually really good mm, new yeah. and fresh yeah new and fresh and not not, <laughs> not very jaded <laughs> when I watch a Tim Burton and Johnny Depp collaboration that it feels exactly the same yeah, every yeah, single yeah. one every single film of them but uh, I mean uh, this is a yeah, classic tale of a, a <laughs> disformed man <laughs> it's a classic tale of a man with scissors for hands with scissors for hands <laughs> yeah you know it's one of those beauty and the beast kind of thing isn't it it is and it's it's um Winona Ryder was, was the beauty of the of the pairing wasn't she yes um, yeah it, it didn't make my list but it's uh, you're right it, it's before Johnny Depp kind of became a caricature of himself. Yes, that's well, good, good way of putting it. Um, and he, he plays the role very well. So you've got um, so Christopher Lee plays his father, I believe. 
and the late great Christopher Lee. Late great Christopher Lee, I think it is. And it's a little, it's very kind of fairy tale, isn't it, with this dark yes. mansion on the hill next to this um, pastel bright shades um, small town. Yeah, um, but it's done very well. His story. Now, he can't touch you, but his story will. I think was the tagline. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you even know that, Colin. That's that's quite I was, impressive. I was, in, I was in a quiz once. Ah. Um, uh, cool. Number nine for me is End of Watch, which is a film that I believe you recommended yes. to me. Um, Finally, a, I recommend good films as well. Yes, there you go. Um, we paid, or oh, I've paid you guys. Uh, it's Jay Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena uh, playing two cops in LA. Maybe I'm not sure. Actually. It's it's kind of semi. Uh, found footage but not entirely found footage no. which is a slightly odd way of doing things i think it almost feels like they gave up on that part way through um but yes yeah, so you kind of see the the, the, the dark underbelly of, of the of the life of the policeman they all perennially in danger there's tragedy throughout the film that i won't um spoil anna kendrick uh is in, in a supporting role as jake jenhar's wife i think if I'm oh, right. i forgot that she's in it huh. yeah she doesn't do a huge amount i think well she was pretty big at that point but uh, clearly just i don't know like the script uh, yes, it's it's definitely. Worth, I think it's one of the best police. Uh, it's uh, not procedural, but one of the best police films that, uh, that I've seen. I think so too, and you're going to see on my list as well. I but thought I might. Yeah, who know, who knows how high it's going to be? Who knows? Look at this! Look at this! Hooking uh, <laughs> people in the, the, the listeners of the world. Like, wh- where is Ejan ranked? End of watch on his top ten films for getting without E. Yeah, well, I I do own a DVD of that, by the way. Just just they. Wow. Okay. Well, that's. That must make it number one, isn't it? You own like five DVDs. <laughs> yeah, I do own only five DVDs. <laughs> I, I also own DVD. That's, that's less surprising. <laughs> um, my number eight is E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Another one. <laughs> ah. I've heard of him. You've heard of him. E.T. goes home. He does. Spoilers. Yeah, E.T. 1980s Steven Spielberg um, film uh, with a score by John Williams. They had a huge collaboration uh, back then and even now I think I think Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. has one of the best you know his career picks is definitely around the 80s 90s as well yeah he was doing some incredible stuff about them wasn't he everyone knows the story I'm not going to go through into more, more detail about it he goes home in the end guys uh, <laughs> when did you uh, when did you first see E.T. when I was very young see this is because it, it's not on my list um, even though it is obviously very good but I, I saw it quite late I, I can't remember exactly how old I was but I was probably at university or later and so i think if you don't watch it as a kid it probably loses some of its impact oh of course of course that's that's, mm. I, that's probably why erin brokovich is not on my list so i saw erin brokovich mm. when i was like a teenager but it doesn't make an impact as much as et would make an impact on me when i was a kid so we watched these films at the wrong time oh well probably yeah no yeah. what can you do right <laughs> mm. uh, I was, it, it's had quite a few votes from our, our listening public as well next to me is another tim burton uh johnny depp film uh, ed wood which I think is my favourite Tim Burton film. Um, it's based on a real-life character, uh, Edward, who was a, uh, a a film director, but he was he was terrible. Um, and that's kind of the gag. He's very eager, but he, he very, very, very low-budget. So you get, And you see him doing... He does these kind of low-budget horror films, but um, I don't know, you have, he has sort of a Frankenstein's monster character walking through a room, he bangs his head on the door on the way through, and he's like, should we shoot it again? He's like, nah, nah, we got it. Keep moving. And so he made these these hilariously bad films, but um, Johnny Depp fills him with this kind of childlike glee, uh, this joy of doing it. And in the way he kind of brings people in and enthuses them as well. It's all in black and white. It's got that Tim Burton magic. Um, for me, this is yeah, this is their the best collaboration. 
I've not seen Edward before, so I may check it out. Good. Uh, if you're looking it up, it's Ed space wood, as in trees, rather than no. Edward. Uh, just so you know. <laughs> uh, my number seven, I'm pretty sure it's on your list as well, is uh, Emma Stone's Easy A. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, another coming of age film. Um, and this is based on uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne's um, The Scarlet Letter. Sort of, um, yes. Well, sort of, yeah. Sort of. Yes, yeah. Yes, right. She she wears a, a literal A on her, you know, when she on her on her t shirt when she goes to school because she uh, does, she does. Yeah, and they they're studying the book in in school, aren't they? Yeah, basically showing off that you know she's she's slept with some people and just wearing that in pride. Uh, this was yeah. I think I don't know whether this was Emma Stone's breakthrough role. Yeah, I think it was. In fact, uh, what you've missed out is that she hadn't actually slept with him. No, she did sleep anyone. She just um, wear your pride. Yeah, she done stuff before, actually. But uh, and I guess Superbad was when um, she got a lot of people's attention. But this this was her first big lead role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And proves uh, she proves that she's a very good actress. It's a, it's a, it's a good film. It's a very good film. Uh, yeah, to this day, as I, said, I mean, she's won an Oscar since. But to, to this day, I think this is the one that get, best gets across Emma Stone, kind of the quality she has as an actress. Um, as a comedic actress, I think it's kind of the, the classic Emma Stone film. It is on my list, as you suspect. Yep. Um, but uh, next for me is uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, um, which is uh, Charlie Kaufman, I believe. Uh, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet uh, appear opposite each other. I think Kate Winslet at the time described um, they were kind of playing both playing against type. So Jim Carrey is this kind of buttoned down, fairly depressed guy. Kate Winslet is this kind of free spirit with, with the blue hair and kind of wild schemes. Um, so quite different to what they both normally played. Mm-hmm. I must admit, the first time I saw this, I didn't think much of it. I, th- I remember complaining it was very fragmented, which is, is kind of the point. But even though it was the point, it kind of annoyed me. But then watching it a second, third time, it, I, I grew to enjoy it a lot more. Um, for those who don't know, it's based around this idea that uh, you can pay this, this these people to remove your memories of a particular person. So that uh, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet break up. And they, and they want to remove their memories of the person. And it follows kind of this going through the memories, going through the real life and, uh, and just disappearing from each other. It's, it's a phenomenal cast. It's got um, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, Tom Wilkinson uh, and others. And yeah, it's um, if you haven't seen it, it's quite a ride. I have seen it recently um, and I didn't like it. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, I just didn't get it. Like, I think I've I had the... I had too much expectations of this film. Yeah, people yeah. keep saying that this is like one of the best films out there, etc. And then I went in there with that kind of expectations. And I was just yeah. Uh, I'd say I didn't like it the first time. So I mean, if you ever watch it again, it might change your mind. But hey. it was a hard watch. It was a hard watch for me. I have to say, it's hard Fair to get through. Um, my number six is uh, Enchanted. Okay. Um, Amy Adams uh, as a Disney-esque princess. Mm. In the cartoon world, who comes up to the into real life uh, New York, uh, um, due to a curse um, from mm. a witch, and she's like optimistic and all these uh, Disney princess traits, and she meets Patrick Dempsey, who's like a very jaded New Yorker. Yes, and yeah. basically, well, they fall in love with each other. And James James Marsden plays the third wheel, as he so often does. <laughs> uh, girl, James Marsden, and Idina Menzel is in it as well. Yes, her first uh, non-singing well, role. 
Yeah, her first Disney role, I guess. Maybe yeah. not. I have no idea. But uh, before Frozen. Before Frozen, and she doesn't sing in this, which uh, I think she said in an interview before she was she was quite happy about because they didn't hire her for her singing ability, but her her acting skills. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, great music. I love this film. It's very uh, it's very it's a very Disney film. Basically, you expect you know the kind of happy ending that they get, mm. but it's a very feel good film. Yeah, I do enjoy it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. I didn't like the ending. I didn't like the whole uh, season surrounding turning into a dragon thing. I thought it was a bit weird. Uh, I look forward, though, to Disenchanted when they finally get around to making it. It's been <laughs> planning for, for a very long time. I'm not sure it's ever going to happen, but it's no. on the cards, apparently. Um, sixth place for me is Empire Records, which uh, is a classic of the 90s. Uh, stars uh, René Zellweger and Liv Tyler. Uh, among others, in a uh, as employees at a record store, and it's kind of a, a, a day in the life or weekend in the life, I think, of of this record store. Rex Manning is this um, singer who's coming to the day to, to, to his Rex Manning day. He's going to be signing merchandise and and what have you, and he's this kind of smooth, polished uh, crooner that um, the, the staff don't think much of. Uh, it's it's a kind of a cult, cult classic uh, in the nineties. I think it was it must have been nineties. Um, it's very much of its time i mean it was about a record store <laughs> um all, all these kids it's, it's kind of their access to rock and roll it's enter the dream and, and you you follow them around um the various different exploits including um one of them who's decides to take the day's earnings to try and um gamble them at vegas and turns out the record store is going to close down etc etc et um it's, i guess a bit like breakfast club last time it's very much of its time but feels like a window into its time uh I think you can guess what my top four is. Um, oh, really? Yeah, actually. Um, but I reckon number five three, is pop- three of them might be the same as three of my four. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the other one is... <laughs> well, but my number five is definitely something you... It's probably the only one that you can't guess because my number five is The Emperor's New Groove. Uh, okay, I should have guessed there was a Disney thing in that one. Yeah. Um, I love this film so much. It's one of those... The Disney... So... Disney hit a kind of a, a a hurdle, so they had this whole Renaissance era when they're churning out great great films like um, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, etc. And then suddenly in the early two thousands, they started churning things which weren't that good, like Dinosaur or Atlantis oh, yeah. or Treasure yeah. Planet, and no one knows much about these films. Treasure Planet. Got fairly good reviews, didn't it? Yeah, it's got fairly good reviews, but it doesn't have the same lasting impact as any of the I Renaissance watched films. it on Disney Plus. Well, yay for the C plus then. <laughs> and in fact, I've got I've got Atlantis queued up just because Michael J. Fox is in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he is in it. I forgot that. Mm. But I think the Empress New Groove is probably the diamond in the rough in that era. Um, okay. It came out in the early two thousands, and it's hilarious. It is very, very, very funny. No, is it based on the Empress New Clothes? Not at all. <laughs> uh, I always kind of assumed it was. Right, yeah, okay. not not at all whatsoever. It's about a, a spoiled emperor in. Peru, probably. Um, sure, why not? Yeah, somewhere in South America. Very small emperor um, who gets turned into a llama. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the premise of this this whole film. He gets turned into a uh, llama. But I think this is one of the funniest, if not the funniest, Disney animated film I've ever seen. Um, and I, where, do the, um, where do the grooves come in? Oh, he, he just, he has his own beat. He, he, has, okay. a lit, he has a little dance at the beginning. <laughs> 
That's his group. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, he, he turns to a llama and then gets sent off to you know, live with a villager and then he learns his ways. I'm not. I don't think the Emperor's New Clothes has that kind of story. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. <laughs> uh, and he changed his ways in the end. But honestly, this film is funny, funny and funny, funny. Um, and I still remember some of the gags right now as well. It's it's just utterly hilarious. So I totally recommend that. I'm going to see if it's on... Uh, Disney Plus. It's, it's on Disney Plus. There we go. I'll add it to my list. I can't promise I'll watch it. But, um, <laughs> uh, you can watch it when I watch Castaway. Emperor Cusco had it all. Thought he had it all. Mm, there you go. Well, I look forward to uh, to positively watching that. Did you also <laughs> watch um, Kronk's New Groove? No, I didn't watch Kronk's New Groove. Which appears to be... I'm guessing must be a spin-off. It is a spin-off. Uh fine um okay so next for me is easy a which you've already talked about that comes in fifth for me okay Back to you we are going to talk about four films the top four uh, my top four which i'm pretty sure is on your list as well um i'm pretty sure one of mine isn't on your list Let's okay out, anyway. fair enough is that empire strikes back no i didn't count that i, I count that at the beginning of this <laughs> for star wars but my number four is a film where i spoken earlier the age of 17 uh, we we have talked about it already. This 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 could be a quick ending to our. our it could uh, be, and it's to a very short podcast as it is, but it is a very very good film. It's outstanding. Um, if you want, I think it remains as good as it did uh, when ago. we talked about it. Yes, earlier in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I think. I mean, I I I rave about Haley Steinfeld. I think. I mean, she was Oscar nominated for True Grit, and she's done um, some things. She done. She hasn't done. A huge huge number of, of things that got acclaimed. I guess she, she's, I'm trying to think what people would know her from. She was in the Pitch Perfect sequels. She was in um, Bumblebee. Bumblebee, of course. Yeah, which I thought she was very good. In. She has a singing career uh, for people into that kind of thing, which I'm not. But uh, this, I think this is this is her best performance and this is kind of quite revelatory. Mm. Um, yeah, you did, they didn't give out Oscars for this kind of thing, but no, for, it was, it's a remarkable, remarkable film. And Woody Harrelson's on top form as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very moving at times. Is there a song called Age of Seventeen? I think there's a song called Age of Seventeen. I think it's named after the song. Huh. Anyway. anyway. Uh, next for me is a film that I know you're going to moan um, when I mention because you always do. Uh, it's Ex Machina. Um, we won't we won't tread over old, old sores. Um, it stars uh, Alicia Vikander. <laughs> Uh, Donald Gleeson is Oscar Isaac. Um, it's basically a, a big old Turing test. So Donald Gleeson is brought into this weird um, uh, isolated uh, complex, house. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the middle of nowhere, comes in by helicopter. Uh, Oscar Isaac says, oh, I've made this robot and I want you to see whether it's human or not. Um, and there are twists and turns. It won the Oscar for best visual effects. So they're, they're very good. But uh, Alicia Vikander is outstanding in this film. She is. Um, it was a really, really big time for her um, around the time of the Danish girl and I guess Team Raid all the big for different reasons. But um, <laughs> she, she, yeah, she's outstanding. Donald Gleeson, um, again, I'm not sure I'd seen him in anything apart from Harry Potter, which, which he wasn't very good in uh, at that point. Uh, and yeah, to, to see... Actually, and uh, and uh, Anna Karenina, which he's good in. That. In fact, they're both in... If you've never seen Anna Karenina, you, that's another uh, Oscar Isaac, Donald, not Oscar Isaac, um, Donald Gleeson, Alicia Vikander uh, film. Uh, but yes, Alex Garland, this one, I think it um, doesn't go where you necessarily expect it to go, so it keeps you guessing. There's slightly more naked dancing than I normally look for in a film, but... Um, oh, some. Yeah, not a lot. Not not a huge amount. So my, not my, copious amounts of naked dancing. No, it's not like... Um, 
That was the Tom Ford film, Nocturnal Animals, which opens with just a, a really fat woman dancing naked for the first, like, for, I don't know, five full minutes of screen time. I mean, what, what have I turned on here? No, it's definitely anyway. not that. It's not uh, that. The, you like the, this film too, you like this, isn't it? I love this film. This is my number three, so I can keep yeah. carry on where you stopped. But, yeah, it's very serial. It's, it's a great film. And I really like the ending of this film as well. I really do. It's, well, the, the film could go into so many directions. I think the ending makes this film, you know, from good mm. to great. Yeah, yeah, definitely pulls the rug out. Because um, I think by, by, by its nature, it's kind of it's setting you up to think what's going to happen. But then, um, yeah, it's great. Uh, number three for me is Emma. Um, oh, yeah, this is on my list. It is or isn't? No. It's not on my list. No, no. I, I, didn't, I thought this one wouldn't be. Um, so for me, this is the, the version that came out this year. Um it's starring Anya Taylor-Joy as, as Emma herself. I, I've talked about this on the podcast already, but I, um, I love this film. I love this film a lot. Uh, she is phenomenal. She is the definitive Emma. Um, it got it got middling reviews, to be honest. Um, it didn't it didn't do uh, hugely well, which, I'm, which surprised me. I think that it is as I've said before. It was a, over the top at times. I think the the kind of incidental music is is too heavy. Um, I think it's also maybe easy to to get overpowered by the the sets, which are very kind of um, yeah very ostentatious no, no pun intended uh no nothing all right um it's but yeah, <laughs> i, I got that thank you there you go when, when i cut this together i'll put in much more laughter much sooner <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. yeah, the, the, the cast is wonderful it's um very very romantic it's one of my favorite austin adaptations huh i i need to check it out i don't know the story of emma in detail but I think I piece um, them together. Yeah, so if you've seen Clueless, then you'll know the story because it's the same story. But yeah. uh, I, I've seen he, the, the the web series on that anyway. The, the oh, poor, yeah. poor web series adaptation of that. Emma, Emma approved, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, right. no, I, I, I gave up. I gave up episodes. on it as well, so I could. Yeah. I know the story. But, but yeah, the story, so she's a matchmaker um, in that she kind of pairs people up rather than makes literal matches. No, that, that's probably all you need to know going into it. Um, exactly. My number two, I have as a DVD. <gasps> it's Age of Tomorrow. Age of Tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> uh, Tom is, Cruise. Is E the only letter that you have more than one film on <laughs> I DVD? I think so. <laughs> I actually think so. Wow. Uh, one of my other ones, I have Her. Okay. And You've I got have, Scott Pilgrim, haven't you? I have Scott Pilgrim, yeah. <laughs> I love those films uh, but anyway they're, they're, um, Age, they're all great films they're all great. Age of Tomorrow Tom Cruise um, resurrecting his uh, action career I think yeah, yeah. with that film uh, it's it's uh, it's amazing Emily Blunt can play an action heroine um, <laughs> easily and which yeah. was quite a surprise at Tom because she hadn't done anything like that um, uh, her planking skills are amazing she does great plank um Yes, so it's it's. I mean, it's very similar to Groundhog Day in some ways, isn't it? Every time Tom Cruise's character gets killed, he comes back. Um, it snuck onto this list at beginning with an E, although it's also been released as uh, "Live Die Repeat." Yes, which is a they, horrible name. It's not great. I don't know why they didn't just stick to the um, the original title. Yeah, uh, all you need is kill. I think that's quite a good title. Age uh, of Tomorrow doesn't say anything at all. No, that's about, I mean, live, live to repeat is probably better than Age of Tomorrow. <laughs> at least it tells you what the story is about. But um, yeah, Tom Cruise is an alien fighter. You know, he got drafted 
uh, to be an alien fighter he gets sprayed with some chemicals coming out from mm. alien alien blood and then he lives the same day over and over again and I think yeah what, I, I love this film um, and what makes it great as well is that Tom Cruise kind of plays against types of him he's, he's a coward he doesn't want to be out in the front line he's trying yeah. to oil out of this stuff um, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast before that there are plot holes if you if you want to see them I suppose but overall yeah best action sci-fi film for a long time I think and Tom Cruise's best film for a very long time uh, number two for me um, you won't be surprised to hear is The Age of 17 talked about it I love it there it is wonderful film and my number one as you can guess End of Watch so it's a police film and it's a very very good police film and as you said Colin it's the definitive police film they've out there Unless you count Police Academy. Um, you don't count Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, number one for me, uh, listeners will probably already have guessed, uh, is Edge of Tomorrow. Um, oh, we have I, I, yeah, I guess what's going to be the first? <laughs> yeah, that's, it's quite crazy. Um, there's a lot more crossover than we normally get uh, with these things, I guess because there are fewer films beginning with E, um, as well as our taste being similar. Um, I will rattle through um, the... Uh, the other sessions we've had, we've actually used more time than I thought we would. So that's, that's good. Um, there's actually a lot of crossover as well, so I won't spend too long on them. Uh, so Adam has suggested Ex Machina and Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, Pete has suggested Easy A. Uh, Emma uh, has gone for E.T. Emma, I did ask her which version of Emma she had gone for, and she didn't answer me. Um, <laughs> so I've counted it as the Gwyneth Paltrow version. And Enter the Dragon, which we haven't mentioned uh, yet. Huh. I haven't seen. Good old Bruce Lee. Uh, yes, uh, Andy suggests Eddie the Eagle. Uh, Rachel suggests uh, E.T. Um, elf, which I thought might be on your list actually. I don't know. I had you down as an elf fan, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Eight-legged freaks epidemic, which I don't know. Uh, Aragon, which I think is a Sean Connery dragon thing, if I'm right. Yep. Uh, Escape room, um, and which is a horror, I believe. Yep. And Evan Almighty, which you didn't really like. I didn't like very much, no. Um, Fernando uh, has gone for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, Darren gives us E.T., Elf, and Enter the Dragon. Uh, Simon has gone for Educating Rita, which uh, I need to check out at some point. Uh, Eternal Sunshine, Easy A. Um, An Education, which almost made it onto my list, is kind of Kerry Mulligan's uh, first big film, which was Oscar-nominated, which is very good. Uh, and both versions of Emma, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, Michael's also gone for Empire Records. Uh, Lucy's gone for Edward Scissorhands and Aaron Brockovich. Uh, Froudy has gone for Edward, uh, Eternal Sunshine. He's also gone for Election, um, which I did not get very fine. I, I, I didn't enjoy, but I know a lot of people do. It's a young Reese Witherspoon um, running for election in high school. Mm. Um, and he's also gone for, well, sort of, he's gone for Eight Men Out, which is a film he recommended to me separately. And then I said, don't you want to recommend this as well for this one? Because it begins with E, which is a baseball film on Netflix, which I, uh, I'm meaning to watch, but I haven't got to yet. Uh, a different Darren says The Elephant Man, which I've got on DVD but I haven't managed to watch yet. Uh, John Kingsley says Existence. That's Existence, but with a Z on the end. Um, that sounds like a zombie film. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's about, to be honest. He, he recommended it to me many years ago, and I've never got around to watching it. Uh, Mills got another vote for Elf. Rob says Easy A. David uh, says E.T. Uh, Marky, who is my minister at church, uh, says Enchanted. He's with you on that one. Uh, although he's got three daughters so he's got more of an excuse <laughs> you do not um, need three daughters to enjoy Enchanted you, you don't it's, it's a lot of fun and Kevin has gone for every which way but loose which is Clint Eastwood and a chimp um, 
Uh. Um, as ever, we've okay. The points I've got a spreadsheet going. Hopefully, it works. And in joint ninth place, uh, Empire Records, Enchanted, and The Emperor's New Groove, uh, with with six points. Uh, in joint, what's that? Seventh place, we've got Eternal Sunshine and ET, um, which. Uh, E.T. was the biggest supporter from our, li- our listeners. I'll say our listeners. I don't know how many of these people actually listen to us. Um, three points from me, four points from them. And sometimes four points from me, three points from them. Uh, coming in sixth place is the new version of Emma, which my brother also uh, went for, as I say. Uh, then we're into the, the crossover films, um, as you might expect. Yep. So fifth fifth place is End of Watch. Um, obviously full marks from you, but only a couple from me. Yep. 12 points. Uh, fourth is Easy A. Both you, me, and three of our listeners uh, enjoyed that so that's uh, 13 points um, in joint second place hmm. with 16 points uh, is the Edge of 17 and Ex Machina um, but as you rightly guessed leading the way I think also led the way in our uh, favourite era Tom Cruise films if I remember rightly yep. um, is Edge of Tomorrow so there you go it's the first film ever to win two uh, Z top 10 prizes I'm sure they will be delighted I think it's a very good top top four list though. Top four, it is isn't it I mean, those are some those are some great films on that list, actually. Yeah. Uh, we move on to our segment, Look Back in Oscar, where we look back at the film that won Best Picture Oscar, and this time it's No Country for Old Men, Zijan. What a film, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I've seen any Coen Brothers films before. Really? No. Ah. Name, name one that I should watch. Fargo, right? Fargo, I think, is, is, um, is one of my favourites, yeah. The Man... Was it the the man who wasn't there is also very good. Yeah, I've not seen Fargo. I think one of the Coen brothers is married to Frances McDormand as well. Um, uh, yes, yes, and she she's a, I think she won an Oscar for that potentially. Yeah, um, I've um, I've seen quite a lot of them, but the, I think they're, they're a bit hit and miss sometimes. But um, but that's very good. So so this is my first exposure to um, a Coen brother film. Um, so just a bit of a summary because I always do that. Um, this is based on a book by Cormac McCarthy who people may know from The Road. It's very, it's very much the Artemis Fowl of its day. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you, you could say that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's very famous for The Road, uh, which uh, I've read, uh, which is a very good book. Um, this stars um, Josh Brolin, Tommy Lee Jones, and Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. It won four awards um, at the 80th Academy Awards. Uh, best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. So Best Supporting Actor for Javier Bardem as mm-hmm. Anton... Shigoff, Shigoff. Who, who people had not really heard of before, I don't think. Maybe he's Spanish, isn't he? I mean, maybe he's speaking Spain, I don't know, but I, I'd suddenly not come across him, and then suddenly he was doing Bond films and parts of the Caribbean films and mm. all sorts. He's married to Penelope Cruz. Well, maybe they've heard of him because of that. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know my tabloids. Yeah, good work. <laughs> but yeah, this, so this, this film tells the story of a, a guy who found a load of cash in the desert. Mm. Uh, he gets uh, chased by this psychopath who's played by uh, Javier Bardem. So the guy who finds the money is played by Josh Brolin. Mm. And Tommy Lee Jones plays the sheriff who's hunting uh, hunting Antof, Anton down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> what a film. <laughs> I, I, it's, I have to say at the beginning, it's, it's a very violent film. It is very violent. Um, I must admit, Part of the reason I hadn't watched this is because I wasn't sure I would like it. Um, partly because of the violence. And of course, it's also very slow in terms... I mean, 
there's not there's, there's quite long stretches where there's no dialogue you kind of get people walking slowly across the desert and all this um well let's cut to the chase i, I thought it was really good even though i not necessarily the kind of thing i normally seek out no me me too it's like uh, i i enjoy the film a lot i can see why it won best picture because hmm. uh, it's very tense film like i yes, i know yeah. that partway through the film i had to turn the volume down because okay. I can't bear to hear the loud sounds of gunshots. Right. There, there was a part when it was extremely tense. I think there was when he, he Anton traced him down to a motel. There are a lot of motels, by the way. There are a lot of motels. <laughs> Lots of motels. In one of the motels and one of the chase scenes there, it was just so intense. I was at the edge of my seat watching an entire sequence the whole time. And it, <sighs> for a non-horror film, it was very horrifying <laughs> uh, one thing about Coen Brothers films is that um, so he's kind of the kind of people who study cinema at university love them a lot so if you ever want to look at video essays on YouTube and they'll be doing a lot of stuff digging into Coen Brothers they will find I don't say oh this door was red which symbolizes this or this, or this or, um, but what I would say is that the Coen Brothers almost comically tried to avoid doing the obvious thing so if you if there's ever kind of a, a, a genre staple or or an expected plot point, or they will do something different, and and this, that's true here as well. I think you get um, major plot points happen off screen. Mm. You get the camera doesn't point the way you think it's going to do. The um, whatever you're expecting to happen with with the plot line that Zidane's laid out, you can be fairly sure a lot of that's not going to happen. Almost to the point of being obtuse at times. But, yes. Um, Oh, uh, I I just watched it. I just took it as a film. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I went into as much detail as I, I could, but I think it surprised me how much I enjoyed the film because um, hmm. I didn't go into that expecting it. But I think I don't think it's one of those films that I'll watch again, though. No, I, th- I think I'm with you. I think it's not um, it's not not a kind of fun popcorn movie, is it? It, I, I moaned about it uh, an episode or two ago, but it was one of those ones where I had to put subtitles on. I don't, I don't like doing that. But the the, the, the southern, I guess it's Texas, I don't know, but the, the South American, not South American, Southern American uh, accents were so thick, particularly Tommy Jones's, yeah. that I just couldn't understand what people were saying without, without whacking on the subtitles. Hmm. I, I say I've seen a lot of Coen Brothers films, and this is probably one of my favourite of those. But yeah, Fargo is the one I'd check out if I were you. Hmm. Well, well, well played to Harvey Bardem for winning the Oscar for this. Mm. It's wow, well, his <laughs> his presence is very charismatic. Yes, he makes a good villain, doesn't he? He makes yes. a very good villain. Like everyone keeps telling me that Anton, Sh- I can't pronounce his last name. He's one of the Before. best villains on on mm. in film history, and now I understand why. He's yeah, he's kind terrifying, of remorseless, unbeatable killer, killing yeah. machine. Yeah, yeah it's sorry. So yeah, um. I enjoyed this film. I probably won't watch it again, but I think I'll remember this for a long time to come. And it's on Netflix if you want to see it. Yes. Um, so next time we're back to Actor Factor and we talk about the films of particular actor. Zijan, who is our actor? We are going to talk the films of Matthew Broderick. That'll be quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'll dig out, um, was it 1999 Godzilla? Yes, do it, Colin. Yeah. Uh, we move on to our quiz, uh, which this time is on films that have been postponed this year. Now, <sighs> this is a hard quiz to write, Colin. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. I thought it would be interesting. Um, 
it's been a tenth year for the quiz season where we basically we seem to be winning the ones where we set the topic so you go ahead my poor level you go ahead you my poor level etc etc uh so f- at the moment you are one ahead of me uh-huh. uh here's question one for you what is the name of the wes anderson film that's postponed from july to october oh oh no i saw this oh let me think let me think i i, I mean i have a lot of time to think of this right <laughs> it's something to do with journalism I think. Oh yeah. Uh maybe. No, it really is. I'm pretty sure it's something to do with newspapers and stuff. Right. I'm not going to give you that, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to give me that. Uh, oh, I hate myself for not knowing this. Oh. The dispatch, the French dispatch. Correct. That Yes. If I if I was a suspicious manzi, anyway. you can't be suspicious on that, Colin. I I did put that out of my my hat. Good work, good work. Yeah. See, I I knew it was something to do with journalism, and newspapers. That's dispatch. Isn't about a letter? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question one: Name the upcoming horror sequel to the nineteen ninety two film of the same name that's written by Jordan Peele and still for release in September twenty twenty. Uh, Candyman. Yeah. That's correct. Is that a, is that a sequel? Yeah. Um, question two. Who was Pedro Pascal playing in Wonder Woman 1984? That's Maxwell Lord, right? It is Maxwell Lord. Uh, question two. Who is the music composer for the upcoming films Wonder Woman 1984, No Time to Die, and Top Gun Maverick? Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to say Hans Zimmer. That is Hans Zimmer. Uh, sounds like the kind of things he would do. Yeah. Uh, question three who's directing Black Widow 1984 no that's not a film who's directing Black <laughs> Widow I've written Black Widow 1984 you know, female superheroes they're all the same aren't they um, who's directing Black Widow I definitely didn't look this up which I should but I didn't so I'm not going to even hazard a guess fine uh, it's Kate Shortland yeah uh, another Black Widow question for you who will be playing Yelena Belova in Black Widow uh, I'm guessing that's Florence oh wait a minute wait a minute Mm-hmm. It's Florence Pugh or it's Rachel Weisz. Now, who's playing who? I have no idea. Yeah, I knew this would throw you off. Oh. <laughs> 50-50, Colin. Yelena, Yelena. Uh, oh, I've got nothing to go on there. I know that one of them is supposed to be her sister, I think. Um, yep. I am going to say Florence Pugh. It's Florence Pugh. <laughs> well done. Uh, sorry, fine. Uh, question four: No time to die will be what number instalment in the official James Bond series? Oh my god! Twenty-one. Twenty-five. Yeah, I think you want this anyway. Um, so, which upcoming film has a following plot? Set during the early twentieth century, a river a riverboat captain named Frank takes a scientist and her brother on a mission huh. to the jungle to find a tree of life. That sounds like Jungle Cruise to me. Yep, that is a win for you. That is a win for me, but I have another question anyway. Um, the Many Saints of Newark is a prequel to which TV series? <sighs> I don't know this either. Now, why is it? Uh, the Sopranos. Ah. Ah. Well, uh, ah. it's gone with the form book. Um, I've pulled a level again. Did uh, you want my last question, Colin? Oh, we've not done it yet. I no. wish I haven't. <laughs> no, go for it. Sorry, for some reason I thought you were going first, but now I've gone first on you. Um, yeah. Go for it. Oh, you could, I could get five from five, couldn't I? Yeah, Ooh. you could. Oh, the tension. 
The songs 96,000, Brief, and It Won't Be Long Now, are all songs appearing in which upcoming film? In the Heights. It is in the Heights. Full marks. Well done. Thank you, Zijian. Even though I tried to avoid that question for some reason. Um, I full level then. What's, uh, what are we quizzing on next time? Well, only because you mentioned it earlier. We're questioning. Uh, we're quizzing on the Police Academy films. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, the, that's the first time in 30 years anyone's laughed at Police Academy. Um, <laughs> and what is our main topic for next time, Zijian? Bear in mind that I didn't remind you, so maybe I, you don't know. I'm pretty certain this is films that happened 10 years ago. It is. In 2010. 2010 in film. We're back onto regularly scheduled content. And for all you know, the cinemas will be out by then and we can actually do a proper film review. Oh, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I know. Well, we'll see you then. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>